so why does uh, Colleen Handel, the leader of the American Ornithological Society, want to change bird names? And what does she think this will do for people who like watching birds? Um, so the biggest thing, like she said in her statement that they posted on their website, was they wanted to have the names kind of go, not distract people from the birds and focus on the humans and more just focus more on the birds and who they are. And she also hopes this will create a little bit more inclusion and diversity within the bird watching community as they try to grow that space for people, especially for people of color. And in her quote in the uh, statement, she says, we need a much more inclusive and engaging scientific process that focuses attention on the unique features and beauty of the birds themselves. Everyone who loves and cares about birds should be able to enjoy and study them freely, and birds need our our help more than ever. So she just wants to um, focus more on the birds. So I, I heard about this a little bit in some national reporting when this 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 first came out as like a national story in, on NPR, and I thought that was interesting. And I guess I was assuming that this is because a lot of birds over the years got named uh, in part be, by by people that discovered them, and those would be very Eurocentric, you know, uh, names and and naming customs. Is that in any way right? And is there more to it than that? Yeah, that's a little bit part of it is um, I believe their executive director had mentioned this too, how they wanted to deviate from the biases that came with like naming birds since a lot of them are named after historical figures and people more like affluent people who are able to go on these exhibitions to find them. But another added layer was just like the uh, with 2020, how that was called the quote racial reckoning and the whole thing with the murder of George Floyd and the Central Park incident where um, Christian Cooper was accused by a white woman of threatening her when he was telling her to leash her dog. Um, but there was also um, a bird group who had put out a petition um, who wanted to get the names changed because they looked more deeply into those people they were named after and they were like, oh, some of them have problematic associations. Like, I think it's best we rename these birds because they have sinister undertones. And so that was like a big thing as well because they presented that petition to the American Ornithological Society um, to get their input and say, hey, what are you going to do about this? So that kind of like prompted the AOS to think about renaming the birds as well. So how are they uh, how are they approaching this renaming process and, and, and what factors are they going to consider? Yeah, so they're going to um, assess about 80 names next year. And instead of doing a case-by-case basis and judging the birds on that, they're just going to review all birds with human names and they're going to form a committee who will uh, solicit input from both the public and experts from various scientific fields to get their feedback on that. And so some of these birds, they could be named after their features or their characteristics or their habitat. Like in a Audubon Society magazine article um, from last year, they had mentioned that maybe Cooper's hawk could be called ambush hawk or swift hawk. And, and what has the reaction been from the birdwatching community to these uh, proposed changes? Um, so from who I spoke to, um, a lot of the birders were very open-minded about it. Um, there were a couple where, like, they expressed disappointment, mainly about figures who probably have clean slates that 
didn't do anything wrong, they will have like their legacy erased. So they were kind of disappointed about that. But they agreed with the method of renaming just all the birds instead of by a name or by a case by case basis. Um, there is one uh, source who I spoke to where he initially disagreed with the method because he said that he felt like it was rewriting history and erasing figures. But after contemplating about it, he's like, you know, they made the right choice by wanting to just rename all of them instead of trying to hold this moral compass to, oh, how problematic is this person that we should rename them? So um, they were pretty open-minded about it. One of them, he said that, like, the name changing wouldn't really change anything because they're used to this kind of thing. So he said anything to go into the right direction, he was all for it. Um, But any backlash that might have came from it was mostly from, like, social media users or people like outside of the bird watching community who probably just saw this because it's kind of part of this movement of people trying to distance themselves from problematic associations, whether it's like, you know, the statue names or buildings. So that's like mostly where I saw the backlash, but within the community, (laughs) it seems like there's just this logical thought of, okay, like that's reasonable. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was going to say something sarcastic about, you know, backlash on social media. Oh, no. But, yeah, I mean, that's where we're that's where we're always seeing that kind of thing, I think. Yeah. Um, there's this quote in here, um, and this is, uh, I guess, this is Judith Scarl, CEO and executive director of the Society, said the project could help reverse longstanding biases among birders, saying, quote, exclusionary naming conventions developed in the 1800s, clouded by racism and misogyny, don't work for us today. And that's just part of the quote there. Um, but that, that gets me thinking. And then also what you were saying about, you know, what happened in, in 2020, is this in some ways because, uh, is, is addressing how birds were named in the past, a way of, uh, talking about who's involved with bird watching today and making it inclusive to people that want to participate today. Um, yeah, I mean, it's if you want to make things more inclusive and diverse, you also have to think about your audience and who's trying to get involved with this. So if they're looking up these historical figures, I mean, one that I can like name, for example, for my article was uh, John James Audubon, who um, he was like a known naturalist and enslaver, and he has like a whole national chapter named after him, and they had to reevaluate their name because they didn't want to exclude anyone. They ultimately kept it, but local chapters have, like, gone on their own to remove the name or change it. And so that's just, like, one example of, like, thinking about the past, trying to rectify it, and make it to where this space is more welcoming to people, because if you want to be inclusive, you have to think about others' opinions and not just one thing. And so if it's predominantly white and you're trying to have more black voices or Asian voices, like it's important to assess them and ask them for their input. So this is just one step in the direction of listening to that, especially if they got this petition and they evaluated it and they're like, okay, we're going to take this into consideration. So that sounds like a step towards that. Yeah. And in that quote, and like the actual phrase, like clouded by racism and misogyny and that what that brings to mind and like the naturalistic world and the sciences uh, all the examples of people of color and women making contributions to science and discovery and then totally getting shut out of the credit for it, too. And that's uh, something that we've seen happen in the past as well. Um, 
Can you give, there's an example in the article about, uh, an example provided by Brian Wargo uh, regarding the reclassification of the goshawk uh, into two species. How, how does this relate to this broader discussion of renaming birds in Pennsylvania? Yeah, so I had mentioned his quote because um, I know for me, like, I don't pay attention to anything bird-related. And so when I see something like this, it's going to seem new. But with him, he said, you know, this, this change may not really impact the, our community at all because they're used to name changes all the time. And I had asked him about any, like, examples in the past where they've done this, and he mentioned this one with the goshawk and how they had this name for it, but then they realized the one in Europe had a little bit of a different DNA than the one in North America, and so they decided, oh, we should probably give these birds two different names to distinct from them um, because they're not the same. And so I just thought that was an interesting uh, dis like distinction and example of how this is common practice for them, like them renaming these birds is nothing new, and it's just something they go through all the time. And for someone like me who doesn't pay attention to it, how am I going to know when a bird's going to get renamed? <laughs> yeah, really. So this is just like, this just shows them like, hey, if you're really in tune to something, you're going to notice it more versus the regular person who might come across this and go, oh, that's interesting, and then move on. So I just thought I wanted to give like my readers who probably aren't familiar with this subject some kind of idea of how this process goes because I know myself I was just curious of like how the heck does these birds get a name because I can only name like three of them so right. I just wanted to include that in the story okay good I'm glad I'm glad to know that that neither one of us are a bird expert here uh, but we're, <laughs> we're still reporting on this uh, but but along those lines is there anything in your research and your reporting that you found um, about we're talking about how this story this is kind of like a national story because they're doing this in different areas but how does uh, uh, what does this mean for Pennsylvania um so um, when I was learning about this I thought there was just like Pennsylvania birds but there's not it's just like these birds migrate to different places. So there's birds that frequent here all the time, and so they may um, get affected. Uh, I had, like, a list at the end of the article where it mentions, like, a few of them, like uh, Cooper's Hawk or there was uh, Wilson's Snipe, Wilson's Warbler, some of those birds, like, they might face being renamed because um, they frequent or visit Pennsylvania a lot. So that's how they could be affected. Um, they might have a new name based on how they look or maybe a sound that they make. Um, it's just dependent on what the committee and those who get feedback do. Tanisha, I'm wondering, like, just to talk to you as a reporter for a moment, I was wondering how you, how you came to this story and if there's anything that, that, that you learned from uh, researching this that you were surprised by. Um, so when I approached the story, I know I definitely just wanted to learn more about bird watching because I just know nothing about birds, um, even though my favorite bird is a cardinal. But other than that, I don't know anything. So I wanted to kind of approach it from someone who may not know who these organizations are or what the who these birds are, why this matters. Um, but I don't know just from like my research, I was just really surprised to see something like this be a hot topic. Um, just because, you know, something with, like, birds, you don't really think it'll just cause a lot of ruckus. But just reading um, about the different groups and how they've been fighting for even, like, before 2023, like, I think I saw as far back as, like, 2020, uh, 2021, they were, like, talking about this and wanting to rename these birds. And 
give them a different name. So it was just like interesting seeing that process and seeing these different, there's like different groups that have gone about um, wanting to address this and bring attention to it. I even saw like in my own hometown, because I'm from Columbus, Ohio, but um, I saw there's like a Black Birder Week. And I was like, that's so cool. Like I've never heard of that. And so that was really interesting to just see how just in this like community with this hobby, they're just trying to push for more visibility and representation. So it kind of got me interested in just wanting to learn more about birds and the whole thing. Um, Cause it was more interesting than I thought. Like I didn't know what to expect from this story. And the whole time I just was like learning more. And that's exactly what I enjoy about reporting is like, Within it, I still want to learn something new. So this was like super cool to know more. Well, that's great. Well, I, I thank you so much for doing the research on this and then uh, uh, introducing these uh, topics and issues to us. And but I also thank you for being the first Spotlight PA reporter who we're talking to as we embark on this new partnership. So thank you so much, uh, Tanisha, for joining us. Oh, no, thank you so much. I love having that honor. No, this is super exciting. I appreciate you highlighting my story and giving me this opportunity to talk about it. That's great. So we've been talking to uh, Tanisha Thomas, and the name of the article is uh, These PA Birds Will Be Renamed as Watchers Reckon with Racism Inclusion. And this article is up now on our website. Just go to WJFFradio.org. There's also a little introductory article there uh, from Spotlight PA.